Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Business and Sports Discourse. Jay, one thing or one area of the country that is you know really affected, especially within the business and sports space that we talk about uh, during this pandemic is the fitness industry at large. So not only, so basically both sides of it, the folks who are really active and really crave that gym experience. And on the other side, the gym owners, either in kind of those private uh, ownership groups or even the big box brands that, that are putting out, you know, hundreds of gyms all across the country, the crunch fitness of the world, gold's gyms of the world, and so on and so forth. And while they all have different models, you know, Planet Fitness can be a different model than Gold's Gym and what have you, you know, everyone is kind of struggling right now. And it seems to be uh, the, the space that is ripe for, you know, new things to happen because frankly, a lot of things are starting to change. And one thing that we did, we read an article um, that was put out on the Atlantic about six or seven weeks ago, kind of trying to depict what's going to happen in the future of this space, not only for the participants, but for the businesses themselves. And it's interesting to read it because you look back at like even six or seven weeks ago, you know, we weren't sure what was going to happen. And now here we are where, where gyms are starting to open up and it could be a false start. It, 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 this is a space right now where like, I don't even know where to begin in terms of, in terms of where to say what is next. And, you know, what do you think will end up happening with these businesses, which, you know, did so well for so long and now might be on the, you know, on the verge of either declaring for bankruptcy or not even getting through bankruptcy and just liquidating completely. Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of things to dissect here. One, as you mentioned, Gold Gym, and uh, they declared bankruptcy last year. Um, 24-hour 24, 24 fitness just declared bankruptcy um, this week, a couple of days ago. And if you if you dig in a little deeper, this kind of goes back to just about every conversation you and I have had about these companies and businesses using COVID as an excuse. They were on the razor's edge before. You know, so they were on, you know, put your put your analogy in slippery slope, thin ice, whatever you want to call it. They were not like, you know, they were not blasting through in, in, the, in the black with revenue and dollars coming in. These industries were hurting to begin with. Um, 24 hour fitness was actually uh, Q4 of last year, uh, had had some issues going on financially, and this just exasperated it and, and was the final nail in the coffin. So I think before we go into the COVID problem and before this week with Jim's opening, we had to go back and look at where the industry was going. Um, that article you mentioned, The Atlantic, they talk about Peloton, right? Like that's the big, that's the big at-home gym space right now that everybody was, you know, loving about a year ago, especially when they went public. Um, and now just recently, you know, their, their sales were up like 60 something percent in the last quarter because everybody needs a new fancy $8,000 bike, um, in their living room. That's going to become a clothes rack in about two months. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Think about these gyms because, you know, it's funny. I, I just always assumed that they did fairly well because they're everywhere. Well, that's the problem. They're saturated the market. Exactly. And, and, they're, and they're so commoditized, yes. right? It's because oftentimes, just like, you know, at, at, in, in the college and university space where, you know, the, the local or the university bookstore basically fed its entire business model on <laughs> right. consumer ignorance. You know, that's basically what the gym space was doing, where, you know, basically their whole business model was sign people up for memberships and hope they don't come. I know. They don't want people in the gym. In fact, they're they're realizing now, like, we can't have these people in the gym. 
<laughs> you know, it was, we didn't want to begin with. And now even if half of them come back, we can't have them in there. Yeah. So I guess, I guess I, I should have, you know, basically reframed the, the beginning part of this because you're right. Like they, they weren't, they weren't in a really good spot. But I guess when I just see gyms opening up all the time, you just make certain assumptions and those assumptions weren't true, especially when, if you're basically hoping that your customers don't use your service and that's what you're basing your <laughs> business plan on, that's probably not great long-term. Especially when your customers are like, why am I using this service? One, but two, the past two months, why am I still, you know, I could live without you. And oh, by the way, my, my, my checking account's a little bit fatter versus the, you know, and whatever, there's some gym memberships that are 10 bucks a month, but the equinoxes of the world are, you know, 10 times that. So, right. That's exactly right. So th- and this and this conversation becomes becomes a conversation about different economic stratas as well, right? So you can talk about Peloton is doing very well. They're well they're well positioned for the pandemic. But why are they doing well? Let's start there. But what, why? Like, what's the like? Why don't you just go to Dick's Sporting Goods and buy a freaking you know a bicycle? You know, become a bike. Like, right. is Peloton the whole, is it, is it the sexiness of it? Is it the, is it that you get to sweat with some 20 something year old and on a screen in front of you with some music cranking? Like, is that, uh, people are paying for the experience, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. For the same reason that people always gravitated towards gyms versus buying equipment for their home because they wanted the experience. They wanted some sort of social pressure, even if it's fake in terms of the Peloton, like the people can't really understand if you're there or not. They don't know if you're you know, going to step away from the bike or whatever, but there's an experience there, like you said. And the idea of like being basically not being at the, the forefront of the controls of what happens, right? So you join Peloton, you know, you have the Robin Arzons of the world who are telling you what you need to do. Screaming Which is just you. another hurdle, <laughs> right? I mean, just, just, but just from a coaching perspective, right? Like, you know, so you have, even if you didn't want the experience of being near people, it's valuable to have an expert, you know, get you through a program. And in some cases, if, if a uh, Peloton instructor or cycling instructor is, you know, just super gregarious and entertaining, it just makes the whole experience more enjoyable, whether it's communal or not. So you have a couple of different things here. I think there's some certain amount of prestige, like with any high priced item, there's a certain amount of social prestige that comes with it. So they were in a pretty good spot. So, you know, kudos to them. They made the most of it. But with that being said, you know, 99% of the athletic public can't afford to th- a $2,000 bike. Right. right. They just can't. So, so, so all of a sudden they have a good business model. They have a good niche. They're not going away. Right. They're going to be, they're going to be here for at least three years off the momentum that they've built. Right. And they were um, doing fine before, before the COVID anyways. So um, it was ramping up and this just kind of solidified their, their place in this world. Right. So, cause they had, they had the in-person model and they had the digital model and, you know, they were, you know, it was kind of the confluence of events. Like they were well positioned and they got a little lucky that it happened exactly when it did. If this happened 18 months ago, they wouldn't have necessarily been in the position to take advantage of it. Um, however, now we have the situation where the gyms itself themselves, you know, they're in a position where they're starting to open up. But next year at this time, some of them just might, might you know, we might just see a whole different group of gyms that are being established because the ones that are currently here might not be able to make it through. So this becomes a whole what can be commoditized and what can't be problem. And then also what exactly what parts of the gym experience do 
the the overwhelming majority of the gym goers enjoy and what parts can be sacrificed in the name of innovation within this space? Well, I think the biggest one right there, you, you touched on it before, was the, so, the social aspect of it. Um, you know, obviously people go to the gym to work out, but the social aspect of it is huge. And, you know, I, I've belonged to the local Y only because I need a pool to swim in for my triathlon training. And in the off season, I'll venture into the weight room and it blows my mind how many cell phones are in there and people taking selfies and it, you, they spend more time on their freaking phone than they do working out. So I think the social aspect is a huge part of the environment because you can't do that in your basement. Like taking a selfie of yourself in your basement with your three pound purple dumbbell is not really going to get you a lot of likes on Instagram. Um, so I think the social aspect is going to be for yourself, something. Jay. <laughs> Jay, speak for yourself, man. My, my three pound weights are killing it. If I get really fancy, I'll put both in one hand, you know, and really make it happen. Um, and the other thing too, is that if you're, if you don't have a specialized activity, so th th this becomes difficult, right? Because you could even be someone who could afford a Peloton bike and still say, you know what? But I only like to do this like once a week. Right. So That's the I'm still yeah. not yeah. going to be a customer. What I need is some sort of, you know, what works for so many people is that the gym offers them options. Mm -hmm. And that's the, besides just the social aspect, it's like, all right, I also like the gym because I might want to do the elliptical today, the stair stepper tomorrow, and I also want to do the weights. And yeah, sometimes I like taking a class, but I don't, don't, always, don't always like to take the same class. Sometimes I like to do the yoga and sometimes I like to do the Pilates and sometimes I like to do, you know, the TRX or, you know, kind of like a body pump class. And for the people who really enjoy the options that a gym provides, which I think is a huge part of this population, maybe not the majority, but a, a, a good number of them, especially over the long term, um, you know, over a three-year span versus, say, a three-month span. I think that's where things can start getting tricky because, you know, while the in-home um, innovations are going to continue to grow because the demand is, is, is increasing and people are going to want to take advantage uh, of that situation, I mean, the, the companies will want to take advantage of that situation and potential buyers – People aren't going to be liquid enough to purchase the kind of things that would allow them to do that. So I wonder if we're going to see, you know, in, in so many of these, you know, this gym stuff and fitness stuff, it's so fad based. So right. much of it is fad based, right? So yeah, these little things that pop up. Yes. Yep, yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I wonder if we're going to start seeing a lot of, um, so say, people who are either gym owners and or people who are just like you know, work in that space. So you have the guy or girl that you pay, you know, hundred bucks a month to, to work you out while you're in the gym. Maybe they just transition to start doing like outdoor classes. So, yeah. you know, you'll have a spot like in the park and you're doing body weight stuff and you don't have a gym. So all of a sudden you're not space specific, but you still can use your expertise in a way that it can't be commoditized. And then people will pay Per class, you know, just Ven, you know, Venmo me ten dollars, you know, when you arrive at the class, and then we'll get going. And then what you're paying for is like the knowledge, the versatility, the ability to come up with plans and use body weight exercises in a way that you know, a kind of takes away some of the concerns that we're seeing right now from a cleanliness and hygiene perspective, because a gym is basically the best possible place to spread COVID nineteen <laughs> if you are so inclined. Um, but 
you know, but you also have the ability to say, all right, like I also have the social aspect and all of a sudden I don't have to rely on myself to kind of guide the workout. That's not my expertise, but I can take away some of the cleanliness and germ issues that are associated with being in a gym. Yeah. And that goes to, you know, to your point about the, the, uh, the, uh, the variety, that's what I was looking for, the variety in a gym. But what happens now, the next couple of months when you walk into a gym and every other treadmill is unplugged and they've taken, you know, half the Stairmasters out of there. And, you know, instead of the 10 pound weights for you and me, there's only 50 pound weights. So what are we going to use? You know, so all of a sudden, these people that have gone there for the variety, they might not have the variety for the next couple of months. Um, but I, I think to your point about the you know, the specialized trainers, why the, the Pelotons of the world work, um, because you have somebody guiding you, why coaches do so well, and why a lot of these personal trainers do well. But I think the cost of that is also going to be a big factor. Um, you know, personal trainers at a gym are very expensive. And, you know, what are you paying for? You're probably paying for the overhead of the gym, right? I mean, th that's so to, to take the trainer out of the gym and put them in something outside or, you know, I don't know, in their own basement, it might kind of turn this in a whole different direction. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a potential market where you have this in-home gym model where you have either Zoom or YouTube or Instagram or different apps that will come out where you can, you know, pay for the service or pay for the instruction. And you have, you know, this, this expert you're watching on screen mm -hmm. and, you know, hopefully they can watch you as well to kind of help you with form. But all of a sudden it becomes like a box service. So it's right. like, all right, for the next six weeks, we're going to focus on this. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you get like a certain amount of like certain types of bands in the mail. Right. And at the end, you can either, you know, you can rent them and send them back or you purchase them. And then, you know, from the following six weeks, you can do something else. So all of a sudden, there's ways in which you can get stronger, be part of a class, but you're not necessarily having to, you know, buy a rack of dumbbells or get, oh, like you know, that. even, even like pounds from like three up to 15, right? Just to do like more, um, you know, body pump type workouts where, you know, you're, you're lifting weights, but it's more of a cardio exercise than a strength building exercise in, in a lot of ways. Um, and I just, you know, I think especially in the summer months, I can see a lot of these folks really, really looking at the outside venues as a way to, you know, basically doing like, you know, doing for, um, like the body pump type classes that you, you know, basically doing for them, what like parkour, like did right. for like kind of like like you know people who just wanted to be be active but outside you know um you know so all of a sudden you're like all right on Tuesday at six thirty a.m. we're gonna meet at the Hope Street Park you know and then on Thursday at at six forty five p.m. we're gonna meet at like you know the you know, Black Rock Elementary School or whatever right so all of a sudden it's, it's a changing locations and you're going here there and everywhere so obviously there'll be some liabilities issue here, liability issues here if you're doing this sort of thing and, and I'll just try to just for the lack of <laughs> for for time's sake I'll just avoid those right now but um, <laughs> disclaimers so, and yeah yeah but you know so like even if it's just a public space you know people could work out in public parks you know that there's no there's no affiliation with that but it's a, I think it will be interesting, but also at the same time, I think you're going to see so much innovation in and around this space because, you know, certainly there will come a time where people will be going back to gyms the way they did a year ago, right? They, that is going to happen. Yeah. It always, it's always been there. It's not going away. Right. But I think that we're going to see different, we're going to see different companies in that space 
because so many companies are struggling. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of innovations they'll make because they, they can't go back to the previous model. Now that people are so used to working out at home and so used to not having to go to the gym, I don't think they're going to flock back. But I guess that brings up a question. It could go the other way. It could have people say, you know what? I missed it. I couldn't work out. I need this more than ever. Um, this just proves the point. And I need my gym. I know I can work out anywhere, but right. I can't work out anywhere. Yeah, but I think a lot, you know, let's go Let's go to our audience, which is primarily endurance athletes, you, I would think, at this point of our podcast career. Um, so, you know, most of them, most of us don't use a gym in the summer. I mean, right? You're out there running, swimming, biking, and the gym is using an off-season tool. So going to your point of an a la carte option would be awesome because for me, you know, it comes time to the summer. I mean, I keep my gym membership because I need the pool, but it's like, you know, holy crap, my membership's coming out on the 15th. Oh, I missed it by a day and I got to wait an extra month to pay for a membership that I don't need versus the, you know, the, the, that's why the Netflixes of the world and the Hulus are, are beaten up on the on the cable industry so i really like your idea of the ship the stuff to your house and let you keep it for a month i like that i would do that yeah i think i think that works and then you really try to meet people in the middle because you want to be able to give them options without having to you know be an exorbitant price situation and you know the these gyms already showed that even in the best of times as you put it like they were already in trouble yeah. Even in the best of times. Um, again, if ignorance is if ignorance is the primary mechanism in your business model, you know, you're not gonna be a lifetime brand. <laughs> it's just not right. gonna happen. Um, or 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 you just or you have to have your people pay through the nose, which is a model and it works for CrossFit. You know, if you belong to a CrossFit box, you're paying $125 a month and you don't even get a shower. Right. I mean, right. it's just, you know, there's not even a locker room. It's just, yeah. that's what it is. And, you know, there's just, you know, that's just the way they roll and it's worked and they've, you know, they proliferated, you know, internationally at this point. Um, but you wonder if it's going to be, you, it's going to be harder to be all things to all people and still make it cheap. Yeah. And I don't even know if cheap is the option. I mean, you know, I mean, do you, like, let's go back to 24 hour fitness. Do you need a gym that's really open 24 hours? I mean, what's <laughs> this like the three in the morning? Do you really need to work out at a gym? Um, so I think it comes time to give people what they want. And I don't know what they, what people want, but I think it's that it, people want options and it's, it might not be the $10 a month model, but it might not be the $200 a month model. Maybe it's somewhere in between. Right. Or maybe there's like a WeWork situation where there's like a couple different bikes. I say you have like two dozen right. bikes, but yeah. they're all in their own rooms. And you just like go in, you disinfect your bike, right? And then you ride on it. There's a screen. So you don't own the bike, but you just pay per, you pay per, you so know, like, like renting space. Yeah. You're basically just renting space. So you're, it's almost like, you know, so it's basically a different, the combination of a gym slash WeWork. But right, for like, off. say, like the Peloton set. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't own a Peloton bike, but I do spend, you know, $20 a month when I have to like, you know, reserve my bike ahead of time and I have to wipe it down and, you know, you know before and after and all of that stuff. Um, so that's kind of like what I'll do in lieu of getting my own Peloton bike in my own house. And while I might not have a community feel, 
you know, at least I'm leaving my house, which is nice because, you know, if I just see the Peloton bike over here, right. you know, it's like the classic, like, you know, like all of a sudden your gym equipment becomes your second closet yeah, type of thing. Yeah, you hang all your clothes on it. Uh, so we've just come up with like half a dozen new business ideas. And if anybody steals one of them, please, we, you know, Matt and I want 10% each. Uh, we, yeah, just give us a consulting fee, if anything. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want we don't want to put up any money for any of these. We just want the consulting. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But you no, know, I think you know when you know when Chris McDougall put out a book, Born to Run. It like you know, it took the world by storm. All of a sudden, everyone's like, "All right, I'm going to kick off my shoes. I'm going to run barefoot, and and so on and so forth." And and you know he put out another book, Natural Born Heroes. You know, you know, basically a decade later, which really talked a lot about this sort of like body movement you know, strength, um, but not strength for strength muscle sake, but like for like the natural movement method type stuff. Yeah, you not know, a beach body, but actually, yeah, a living body. Yeah, fun- functional movement, yep. right? So that sort of thing. And, and it's, if you, if you look up MoveNat, it's M-O-V-N-A-T online, you'll see the whole certification process. And it's kind of like a mix between like, um, you know, like this like sacred Pilates meets obstacle course racing <laughs> and it's really cool it's very holistic again you don't you can just go do it outside at your local playground and it's kind of one of those things where well, all you really need is an open mind and you know an instructor who can help you who can teach you how to do it and and you know you and, and some peers who maybe have been doing it for six months more than you have and can kind of like hey i had a problem with that two three months ago and you know this is the trick i used you know so you have that community space but you don't have a gym necessarily to get it done. Again, I'm kind of repeating something I said earlier today, but I think that that sort of thing, and I think there's a million alterations to that, you know, for, you know, at the combination of a lot of different sports. And you just see this in Spartan. You know, if you go to a Spartan race, they pride themselves on not being a gym and being functional movements and all of that stuff. You know, I think that that sort of, that's already baked into the fitness culture because Spartan and Tough Mudders and all of that are so ubiquitous that you can do that, but basically create, you know, that that sort of activity, but create like a running group around it with a leader. And basically the leader would be kind of paid in this case because it'd really be providing their expertise. It would basically be to that industry or that hobby or activity, what like the personal trainer is at a gym. All right. So it goes back to the social atmosphere of a gym. Which is why I think, uh, I'm not going to say the majority, I think a, a significant portion of people go there for the social aspect of it. And to, you know, to your point, maybe they're now they're like, I don't need that. I have my local running group that we're meeting at 6 a.m. and you know we're socially distancing running and, um, and it's working for us. But it's going to be interesting when, one or two, when two things happen. One, you know, we're in the summer now, so in the fall, this this COVID thing heats up again. You know, what happens to the gyms? They reclose. And also over the winter, if we're all stuck inside again over the winter and can't go to Snow the gym. Snowshoe racing. Yeah. Snowshoe racing is coming out with abandon. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Cross-country skiing. Um, yeah. So, but again, uh, these companies were had the crappy business model going into this. And couple of them are dropping out, but it, hopefully some new ones will either emerge or some new innovations will come to the forefront. Absolutely. All right, Jay, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a great day and be sure to tell your friends and subscribe to the Business and Sports Discourse.